Welcome to Simply Cyber. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Good morning, people. Let's rock and roll. <clears throat> Today is Tuesday, November 8th, Election Day in the United States. Flex that, flex that U.S. right. Welcome to episode number 236 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osher, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of these stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, if you, or if you're looking to break into the industry, there's gonna be value here for you. I guarantee you, stick around, you're gonna love it. Before we get into it, I wanna give a shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, my good friends, Barricade Cyber Solution. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. This is their site right here. You can see you scroll right down. Boom, there's Eric Taylor's calendar. 15 seconds later, you're on his schedule, having a conversation, seeing what's up. Want to give shout out to also Recon Infosec. Recon Infosec's managed detection and response MDR offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon SOC team. MDR is an awesome, awesome offering uh, for any business that's kind of stuck with needing services but unable to hire FTEs it really allows you to scale up uh, and it's awesome so check it out at recon infosec link in the description below now I want to remind you if you hold professional certifications require CPEs each episode of the daily cyber threat brief is worth half a CPE so two and a half a week ten a month be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs simply say what's up in chat hashtag team live if you're here live with us hashtag team replay if you're watching on replay if you want to jump right to the news if you're on replay just go ahead and hit skip 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 but for the next couple minutes what I love to do is welcome everyone into chat say good morning have a slug of coffee and uh, see, you know, get get a get a, a feel for the situation, guys. New look. I invested uh, back into the into the channel. We got new stream starting, new stream ending, which you haven't all seen yet. The transitions are kind of cool, and we've got this. This is our new look and feel, guys. So let me know in chat what you think. Good morning. What's up, Tony Roy? Thanks for the squad support. Round trees in the house. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, Joshua B. Matthew Necci. Tin Tinatani. 
Sandro Schievel, thanks for the squad support. Hey, Fabio, good to see you, Matthew Hibbert. Love it, love it, love it. Allison Van Stone, high five. Coming at you with the Florida coffee, love it. Hey, Jax, there you are. Yes, Jax. Thank you, Jack Scott. <clears throat> hey, Tom Bishop. Renegades of funk, guys. We don't play by the rules. Yeah, we're professional and we do what we need to do, but we do it in a way that we want to do it. Oh, what's up, BSEC? I don't know if that's a good thing, Jerry, 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 Jerry. <laughs> oh, yeah, the U.S. Cyber Game shirt. Now, uh, classic uh, DJ. We go from Renegades of Funk to Dylan, just to kind of ease everybody in. <clears throat> Working on Try Hack Me Right Up, update the res yesterday. Hopefully score that sock analyst job soon. I hope so, too. And shout out and love to Carrie, who's taking his uh, cert exam right now. Sending you good vibes, Carrie. Hey, Justin Gold. Yeah. All right, guys. So we are uh, a couple minutes in. I felt uh, Renegades of Funk and things, the times are changing, seemed very germane to a day like today so represent all right guys let's get into it uh, oh fabio i'm glad you're ready to study hey adam get back on those grc classes guys <clears throat> stay tuned at the mid roll i've got i didn't say anything about it yesterday because i sometimes i just get over super focused on what i'm working on that i don't look at the bigger picture uh, <clears throat> a lot of streams coming up this week a lot of a lot of interesting things including a fun thursday show so uh, stay tuned for the mid-roll. We'll get into that. But for now, sit back, relax, <clears throat> enjoy the visual, um, you know, back rub. I'm, this is giving your eyeballs. But let your ears get delighted to the top cyber news of the day. Long story short, chill out. Let's get in the news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. China stockpiling vulnerabilities. In Microsoft's 2022 Digital Defense Report, the company maintains that China's offensive cyber capabilities have markedly improved, largely thanks to a 2021 cybersecurity bill. This bill required domestic organizations to report security vulnerabilities to local authorities prior to any other entity. This likely means the Chinese government used the disclosures to hoard vulnerability information. Microsoft said the impacts can already be seen with an increased use of zero days in the last year from China-based actors. Overall, Microsoft found China stepped up its espionage and information-stealing cyber attacks to counter U.S. attempts to increase its influence across Southeast Asia. Okay. So, yeah, this... <clears throat> what? Did we just become... Uh, Jeremy Williams yeah. with the love. <clears throat> Thanks so much, Jeremy Williams. I will take a sip of coffee for that. Always sending coffee my way, Jeremy. All right, guys, so here's the deal. Uh, this is not a surprise, okay? So whatever, China put a 2021 law in that requires orgs to report vulnerabilities to them before uh, disclosing them to any other entity, which basically means if you think about it, you disclose a vulnerability. It has to go to the Chinese government first. They obviously have some type of department there that reviews the vulnerabilities and determines whether or not it's not a big deal, let it go. Or, hey, this gives us a, like a military or, an S or a geopolitical advantage over our adversaries. Uh, do not disclose this. We're going to throw it into the, um, you know, the, the same warehouse that the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark was, if, you, if you're familiar with that movie. Uh, basically, put it in our, our toolbox, and if we want to use it, <clears throat> we'll use it. Uh, no big deal. Now, China stockpiling and deploying vulns. 
Guys, I listen, I am reading right now. So this is all these opinions are based on this. I am reading Nicole Pell Ross. This is how they tell me the world will end. And it's basically about the cyber arms race. And it gets really into um, the zero day market and, you know, bug bounties that we talk about now and, you know, how that originally started up. But guys, <clears throat> the United States, like this story, the United States has was doing just the same as many other countries in the world, right? Good, good guys, quote unquote, bad guys, quote unquote, like all of them are buying it. And because guys, because it's software, right? It's knowledge you're really buying. It's not, I mean, there is some like custom exploits to make sure that they run every time, but like for the most part, you're buying knowledge in um, some code and that can be duplicated, right? So it's very, very lucrative market, right? Um, China's hoarding these things. It doesn't mean that they have unique zero days. It's quite possible that, you know, this nation has the same zero day that this nation has, and neither of them are disclosing it to the vendor uh, because they want to have it weaponized. <clears throat> Obviously, the uh, I want to say the NSA actually had a, a group of people that would determine whether or not uh, vulnerability was... Um, you know, not a big deal, and and could go uh, to to the um, to the vendor for um, remediation or for patching and stuff like that. So, I guess <clears throat> I I have to tell you a because I don't find this surprising, right? Like China, <clears throat> China has probably been doing this just like every other country, right? So it's not like China only, but China's probably been doing this for years. Just like every other country, so like to me, this 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 story doesn't make me want to be like, oh my god, oh my god. No, it's like this this is this is just bringing what? to light. Did we just become best friends. Yep. Uh, thanks so much, Kimberly. I appreciate it. I, I was hoping you'd uh, chime in uh, on it. I do appreciate your eye for design, guys. You shouldn't think the eye, uh, the sky is falling. All this really is is bringing to light something that's been going on in circles. Uh, that really aren't mainstream public eye for years, okay? Again, Nicole Powell Ross, This Is How They Tell You The World Ends is an excellent read, and it, it directly talks about stuff like this. U.S. seizes Silk Road Bitcoins. U.S. Attorney General for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams, announced that last year, authorities seized over 50,000 Bitcoins related to the illicit dark web marketplace Silk Road, worth over $3.36 billion at the time they were seized, although now they're worth just over $1 billion. While it wasn't disclosed at the time, it was the largest cryptocurrency seizure, although it was surpassed this year with the 70,000 Bitcoin seized with the hack of Bitfinex. The crypto assets were found at an address connected with James Zong, who pleaded guilty to wire fraud in 2012. All right. Oh, Cyber Munchkin with the coffee. Thank you, Cyber Munchkin. Let me take a take a pull off that. Glad to see you're feeling better, too. Mm. All right, guys. So check this out. Uh, this actually, this story came in. I think Eric Taylor of Barricade Cyber sent this over on a DM or, or Discord. I have so many different communication platforms. I don't know where things are sometimes, but... Um, what? Did we just become yeah, best friends? So much can I love it. So um, the... I, I got this. I read the story. Very confusing. I'm going to go a little bit more into this one um, simply because I did do research on it last night, not knowing it was going to be a story today. So listen to this, guys. Silk Road, Ross Ulbrich, um, you know, early like early 2010s launches Silk Road, which was like the the preeminent 
dark web marketplace. So think of it as like the Amazon or eBay, except for like guns, drugs, counterfeit money, crime for hire. Okay. And Ross Ulbrich was kicking it, doing all well. He's in, he's serving like multiple life sentences right now. So kids, before, if you're, if you're listening, don't think that this is like uh, the way to go. Okay. So anyways, the FBI ends up catching Ross Ulbrich, ripping down Silk Road, goes away. However, before that happened, this guy, um, I forget his name. It's like John or something like that, it, 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 or Zong, James, James Zong right here. He actually figured out a way to hack Silk Road. So what's really clever is when you, when you submit to Silk Road, you had to like put money in. Okay, like like you know, like you didn't do your transactions to buy something with like a credit card. You would put crypto in, you'd have like a balance, kind of like Venmo, and then when you wanted to buy stuff, you would transfer the money from your, you know, Silk Road Venmo account, quote unquote, to theirs, right? Well, he figured out it's not really that clever a hack, but he figured out if you put in fifty Bitcoin and then immediately withdraw fifty Bitcoin. The way that Silk Road was built, it wasn't updating fast enough. It, it wasn't like an, it was like it, it's not like an ATM where your balance is immediately updated. So what James Zahn figured out is, oh, so if I put in 500 Bitcoin and then I withdraw 500 Bitcoin and then withdraw 500 Bitcoin and withdraw 500 Bitcoin and withdraw, the the system wouldn't update. So he could withdraw over and over and over again, and he had a couple minutes to do it before it would catch. But in that time, he was able to pull out a lot of Bitcoin, like 70,000 Bitcoin, which, to, you know, at the time or was valued at $3 billion, okay? So what, what I found wildly interesting about this is like, okay, so that's crazy. But why on earth did the U.S. government go after this guy? He was literally a criminal robbing another criminal on a criminal marketplace. Like, who, who... Did did Ross Ulbricht put in like call FBI IC three and say like hey my underground little marketplace that sells drugs and crime just got robbed please help like it made no sense to me. Then I called in a couple friends. I called some people this morning who would know stuff like this, and they said yeah no no, no that like that money is seized. The U.S. Treasury is gonna auction it like basically it's gonna get auctioned off. So someone's going to get filthy rich because you're going to be buying a Bitcoin, which is an actual asset worth a specific value for a depreciated amount of that value. It'd be like buying like it'd be buying like a, a brick of uh, of one hundred dollars for forty dollars. Right. You instantly have made a return on your investment. So this is going to be bananas. Whoever buys this lot and the U.S. government's going to make some money. Right. It helps. We're like trillions of dollars in debt. But. You know, a billion dollars doesn't hurt to, to kind of pad the numbers. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, yeah. Straight cash, homie. you damn right. It's straight cash, homie. All right. So, oh, and since we're talking crypto. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. So long story short, you know, if you're a criminal and you're robbing a criminal, don't think that uh, the law, Johnny Law is not coming after you. <laughs> wow. We got, we got sounders for days. DOJ takes down Z library. The U.S. Department of Justice seized the domains of the popular Z Library ebook repository, which offered access to over 11 million books and 84 million articles. The site largely distributed these books without a license from copyright holders. Z Library recently gained attention on TikTok, prompting an investigation from the United States Trade Representative. Last week, Torrent Freak reported TikTok blocked Z Library-related hashtags due to complaints from copyright holders. Z Library's Tor address remains available, 
but is currently informing visitors of server issues which could impact availability. Wow. Okay, so this is interesting. Hey, chat, does anyone know? Has anyone heard of Z Library? This is the the 10th, it's in the top 10 sites on the internet. Um, oh, oh, top 10,000. I was like, how on earth is this a top 10 site? Like Amazon, eBay, Google, like Facebook, Twitter. Like I could name 10 sites that everybody goes to more than Z Library, but top 10,000. Yeah, now now we're talking uh we're talking um simplycyber.io lol okay okay for real though um dude how did this site think that they were going to operate they literally just straight up uh making access to people's intellectual property um i am kind of curious jack scott kim win john helmus gerald Ozier wrote a book called uh simply uh, no not simply uh cybersecurity career master plan i wonder if that's on z library we can't go check now because the site's been uh, pulled down, but dude, we got, we're going to go double, double, uh, double, uh, cannon here on the law enforcement, whatever. I guess the thing is, if you, if you had a site, I mean, if you were using this site for whatever reason, it's down now. And it just goes to show you Johnny law is not going to take, it doesn't matter if you're robbing, like if you're smuggling cocaine or if you're smuggling uh, intellectual property, you know, the law is the law. I know there's different great grades of law, gradients of law, or the way that people enforce them, but DOJ is coming, coming correct, son. Jesus. Hi, hi, hold on. You are so dumb. Oh, no, wait, that isn't the one. I thought I had hide your, hide your wife. Okay, let's, let's keep going. Chilean observatory hit with cyber attack. The Atacama Large Millimeter Array disclosed a cyber attack hit it on October 29th, impacting its computer systems and knocking its website offline. It suspended space observations as a result, although no scientific data or equipment was compromised. It's unclear when the observatory will return to normal operations. As one of the world's most powerful observatories, ALMA uses 66 radio telescopes to capture high-quality images of radio waves emitted by distant astronomical objects. This raises questions about the overall security of the space industry, which contains an extremely limited number of targets with highly critical equipment. Shift 5 CEO Josh Laspinozo said the industry suffers from a lack of full visibility into its operational technology, with little ability to detect intrusions on platform edges. And now a word from... Okay, but what was the actual... They didn't say ransomware here, and it might be one of the world's most powerful observatories, but it's not like you can... It's not like a military state could hack this observatory and use it to get reconnaissance on, you know, it's not like you're hacking like uh, image satellites flying over, you know, uh, you know, a geopolitical space of interest and you're getting, you know, uh, uh, video or, or, or imaging from it. This thing is looking out into space, right? So, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, that we do talk about UFOs and the Navy declassifying stuff and everything like that. Maybe, maybe the um, aliens are onto us. I don't know. I'm surprised they don't say. I mean, to me, this feels like as as I was hearing the story, this feels in every way a ransomware attack, a crime of opportunity. It just happened to be like a really famous observatory and not not the uh, you know not the objective of whoever the threat actor was. But. Uh, yeah, see, they talk about Starlink satellite internet systems, and that's fine. But this is just a tangential related this overall story to have some substance to it. Like, 
whatever. I mean, whatever. Guys, like Radio Observatory and is there life out there and can we connect with them? That's all great and good. But, w you know, we've got other problems going on on this planet that we need to kind of uh, take care of. So, yeah, anyways, to me, with all due respect to the Chilean Observatory, I know that there's some scientists somewhere who are having a bad day. Uh, I'm walking kind of funny, but this is not this this is not um as it currently is constituted this does not raise my level of concern i said it says raises concerns in the title of the story but it doesn't raise my level of concern honestly um yeah all right let's let's do the mid-roll reads our sponsor app omni did you know that over half of companies have sensitive SaaS data exposed on the public internet and many breaches making headlines now involve SaaS apps app omni can help App Omni identifies misconfigurations and guides remediation to keep your SaaS data secure. We help security teams make sense of data access permissions, third-party app visibility, and threat detection across their entire SaaS ecosystem. Get started at appomni.com. All right. Twitter. No, hold on now. You know what we do on the mid-rolls here on Daily Cyber Threat Briefing? All right, guys, it is the mid-roll. I do want to take a, a couple minutes, share a couple uh, ongoing activities with you, and ask your help, ask you for your help. So if you'd like to be involved in helping shape the Daily Th Cyber Threat Briefing and the Simply Cyber uh, community, please, uh, please, please contribute. Ready? First off, I want to remind everybody that if you are interested in the Simply Cyber newsletter, which I send every single Monday, many, many people... Um, did someone just gift membership oh joel belton with the gifted membership thanks joel joel belton solid squad member great person got to spend a lot of time with him at wild west hack and fest good times justin gold with the gifted membership thank you dropping gift bombs everywhere i love it guys my goal um well okay hold on let me let me simply cyber uh newsletter if you're interested sign up for it just go to this url in yellow simplycyber.io slash newsletter and you'll see what's going on. You get an email I write every Monday. And and um, thank you so much. Guys, enjoy the squad membership. It's This is going to totally play in. Whoever just became squad members, you're about to really uh, take advantage of this. It's going to be good, okay? I, I just want... God. All right, so this is, this is overwhelming now. All right, guys, I want to share with you this. This is something really, really cool that I totally spaced on. And I did like a sound mic audio video check yesterday with them. And I was like, oh yeah, I should probably share this with everybody. On November 9th, tomorrow, I will be a guest on IT Pro TV uh, with Daniel Lowry. I have paired this with Simply Cyber's YouTube channel. So you don't have to go anywhere to consume it. It will be a one hour fast paced AMA um, it's going to be a lot of fun. They have a really, really slick operation over there. Um, I, Josh uh, Mason and I had a really, really long, great conversation with uh, Daniel Lowry in Deadwood, which is what spawned this whole thing. Haircut fish getting all the emotes. I love it. Um, so guys, either stay tuned for tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern or come join us, whatever it is. Um, oh, thanks so much, guys. You guys are the best. I love all the squad members. I, I love the whole community, but squad members, you guys are great. Uh, come by tomorrow at um, at 2 p.m. and hang out. It's going to be fun. Also, guys, what is this? Okay, so also, you may or may not know, uh, I was trying to keep some offset, but I'm terrible at that. 
This Thursday, November 10th, is my birthday, okay? So I always have a guest on Thursdays for Simply Cyber Live, but I didn't want to book one because I didn't know what I was doing. I might be a little flex. I don't know. So I am the guest on Simply Cyber Live on Thursday, and I just want to open up the chat um, and welcome you all, kick it off, and then let's just have a community-driven stream on Thursday. I'll do AMAs. I'll bring people on stage if we want to do that. Whatever you guys want to do, we will do it. It is a community-based stream on Thursday. Now, what I wanted to tell you guys, if you're squad members, right, you guys take advantage of all these awesome emotes. We just saw a haircut fish. Um, oh, yeah, guys. Look at all this. George Strasberger's up in here. Matthew Hibbert's in here. Listen, if you're in chat, if you want new emotes, I have room for like 150, literally 150 new emotes. I only want to put ones in that, you know, are pertain to us and we want to enjoy. If you want a specific emote, holler at me, put it in chat. I will go back and watch the chat stream right now and I will make new emotes. You tell me what you want, squad. I will put it in there. Also, if you want sound effects, I know some people have clipped some sound. Let me know. I'll add it. I want to make this show as engaging and as fun as possible, and I love your inputs. Now, let's just... All right. All right. Love it, guys. Thanks so much. Let's get back into the news. Twitter pauses paid verification for midterms. The New York Times' sources say that Twitter decided over the weekend to delay rolling out its updated Twitter Blue subscription until November 9th, specifically after the midterm elections in the U.S. The latest version of Twitter on iOS showed some users a notification about the upgraded $7.99 a month Twitter Blue subscription. Features listed included account verification. Other features coming soon offered half the ads of free accounts and the ability to post longer videos. This led some to believe the service had launched and would be available. However, Twitter product lead Esther Crawford clarified the new service isn't live yet. Maintaining any messages were a test. Okay, yes. So no surprise here. I mean, I, we've covered this uh, $8 verification checkmark on Twitter a couple times in the Simply Cyber Brief just in the last couple days. And I've gone back and looked at chat. People have said, no, you've got it wrong, Jerry. That's not how it works. Or it's this, not that. Or you've got, you, you're right in some ways, but you're, you're missing a key part. Whatever it is, if, if, if I'm doing this and I'm streaming to a couple hundred people, other people are doing it, it is confusing and it's not quite clear exactly what the existing blue verification checkmark actually indicates and what this new verification system did. So I don't know if this was a decision made by Twitter. Um, Elon, I wasn't, hold on, let me grab my Elon emotes. I don't know if it was Twitter that decided this or if the US government reached out and said, hey, can you please pump the brakes on this or, or what? I don't know who the impetus was um, on all of this, but I do appreciate that they're doing it. We, election day is today in the United States for the midterm elections. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of um, like there's already been a lot of um, speculation around the integrity of of the election. And if certain candidates lose, then it means that the election was rigged, which is outrageous. But anyways, this would just add fuel to the fire as long as as far as the confusion goes. So I appreciate that they did this. Um, it sounds like um, I mean, it sounds like they actually tried to roll it out and then maybe they got some pushback. Um, just as I'm thinking and sh shooting from the hip, 
I do think if you, if you, if you do think about it, they did roll it out as a preview. They may have gotten instantly like really negative feedback, like, oh, it's confusing or it doesn't make sense or hell no, I'm not going to pay or whatever. And at the end of the day, straight cash, homie. it's all about straight cash, homie. This could actually be spin. This could be spin where they like tried to roll it out. It was a hot mess on fire. They need to pull it back. But in order to save face, they say, hey, let's just, you know, let's just say the midterm elections. We're trying to do a good thing, right? We're trying to make it. Uh, a, a positive contribution to society. And oh, by the way, sign up for our $8 a month thing. Um, so there's that. Okay. Interesting. We'll see how it goes. A lot of people have gone over to Mastodon. I'm going to continue to tweet on Twitter, but I'm on Mastodon too. So it's, it's a thing. Medibank refuses to pay ransom. We previously covered the ransomware attack that struck the Australian health insurer Medibank. It impacted 3.9 million customers and marked the second major cyber attack in the country after the Optus breach. A ransomware organization called BlogXX took credit for the attack, although some believe this to be a relaunch of the Revil ransomware gang. Revil's leak site now redirects to the groups, and researchers confirmed its encryptor includes Revil code. Regardless, Metabank maintains that it will not pay its ransom demands, saying it believes there is only a limited chance doing so would prevent customer data from leaking while increasing risk to other organizations. BlogXX began leaking customer data in an effort to get the organization to pay. Right. Okay, so a couple things here. One, you know what? I appreciate the, the mature calculus that Metabank's doing here. They basically are saying... They're basically saying F you. Like, why would we pay you when we have high confidence that the data is going to get released anyways, whether it's by you or it's by some, you know, slappy in your gang who isn't doing good um, data management, um, you know, leaky S3 buckets. They're not saying that. But but the point is they don't have confidence um, that the data will be secured or like by, by paying for it, that they will be uh, effectively ensuring that it is not released. So... Yeah, I appreciate that. I do wonder if um, the insurance companies uh, weighed in on that. So, so not all th ransomware threat actors are created equal, just so everybody knows, right? They have a integrity level, which is which is ironic, right? But the better the ones with the higher integrity level are more likely to give you your decryption keys really, you know, quickly and not, you know, futz around with the negotiation. Just it's this amount. How about this amount? Fine, let's do this. Let's go. It's very, again, it's ironic to say this, but it's very professional. And working with them, the insurance companies are more likely to do it because they know it's a simple transaction. It's 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 deplorable because it's crime, but it's a simple transaction. Everybody gets what they want and we move on to the next thing. You can have low integrity. So if you're just some, um, you know, jack wagon who's running, a, um, a, you know, kind of a, a goof uh, ransomware threat operation and you're just all about the money, right? Great cash, homie. And you don't give the decryption keys, you just get paid and you're like, like that's not going to fly. The word's going to spread and you're not going to uh, get out there. So I don't know what Revil's uh, MO is. I do think it's funny. If you guys remember, and probably uh, I want to say like late, late 2021, early 2022. So like December, January of this, you know, past year timeframe, um, Revo got busted. Remember, there was like a huge raid. They had like the the, the shoulder cam on on the um, on the police who were breaking and, and arresting those guys. It was either in Ukraine or Russia, or it was like Russians, Russian police taking out Ukrainian uh, Revo gang guys. What whatever it was, you cannot 
smother and take out these ransomware threat actors. It the code the code survives, and if one threat actor gets out, and they're a gang of them, right? Just one, they're gonna reuse that code. It would be absolutely stupid for them to write a whole new ransomware piece of malware. Hell no. It's like I've got this in my back pocket. It makes me money. Let's go, right? It's all about the cash. Great cash, homie. It's all about it. So Sorry, internal stranger and my other uh, Australian friends, uh, your data's out. But you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the bus. I saved you a seat. Uh, OPM got breached several years ago, and you know everything's out. Anthem got breached several years ago. Everything's out. So the U.S. the U.S. Uh, PII data train is just leaking everywhere. So get on board, grab an oar. Uh, the drink cart will be by in about thirty minutes, and we can uh, toast. The evolution of Robin Banks. The phishing as a service platform shifted its infrastructure to stay online. Originally, it used Cloudflare as its host, but it cut off Robin Banks back in July after it became aware of its activity. This resulted in a multi day disruption while it shifted its infrastructure to the Russian based DDoS Guard. That service never complies with government takedown requests, hosting content for sites associated with QAnon, as well as Hamas and 8chan. With the change in infrastructure, security researchers at IronNet discovered it began offering a new cookie-stealing feature as an add-on to its existing phishing kit. This appears to be part of a toolkit to bypass multi-factor authentication. Ironically, when it switched over to DDoS Guard for hosting, it also started increasing its own internal security requirements, requiring two-factor authentication from customers to view phished information. Yep. All right, so... Okay, so check it out. Um... This is going to be like one of those learning opportunities. So if you're, um, you know, more junior in your in your career, you're going to get some value out of this particular thing. All right. So phishing as a service platform. So basically, um, this Robin Banks platform uh, allows you as a cloud-based service, like you log in to use Gmail. That's email as a service. Okay. So phishing as a service, you don't have to understand. You don't have to set up your own servers. You don't have to set up your own landing pages. You don't have to scrape Facebook and Google and all that. You don't have to come up with emails that sound particularly convincing and stuff like that. The service allows you to click, click, click and send it out to whoever your targets are, whoever your victims are. And if you, by the way, if you have ever used Office 365 Attack Threat Simulator, I think that's what they call it now, it's basically the same thing, right? Um, we as practitioners will fish our own end users uh, in order to test them, educate them, get metrics on how how quickly they fall for stuff. And th in our industry, that's really um, a hot topic philosophically, whether it's appropriate to do it. What is the, um, what is the ultimate uh, impact, positive or negative, of phishing your own users? But this is a malicious platform used for maliciously phishing people and getting stuff. Now, here's the lesson learned, because we all know about phishing, right? Here's the lesson learned. You might ask yourself, because I asked myself this way back, you know, before I had gray hair, like how how is it that these services can exist? How like you can find them? They have an IP address. They are on the internet. You can go to the ISP. Who who buys this? Like, sh show me who's paying the bill for this infrastructure, and then let's go arrest them. Like, how can you possibly operate and not get caught? Well, I introduce you to bulletproof hosting services. So if you heard the if you hear the term bulletproof, it doesn't mean that it, it it's like a Kevlar vest or something like that. Although that 
that there is a funny like animated meme of a CISO and a CEO and like the vest and the guy shoots him in the leg. But anyways, bulletproof hosting basically means that you can use the service. And so think of bulletproof hosting as like GoDaddy or Amazon AWS or Microsoft Azure, right? It's a cloud service that provides infrastructure as a service or, you know, phishing as a service. But, but in this case, in, uh, DDoS Guard is offering Robin Banks infrastructure as a service. Okay, so follow me here for a second. I am simply, okay, so I am simply cyber, right? And I want to host simply cyber website, right? So I need to contract some service to host my website. So I use Wix, okay? Wix needs infrastructure to be able to spin up, spin down and do all these things. So Wix contacts Amazon AWS and says, hey, we're gonna buy a whole bunch of like servers or you know, scale it up, scale it down for our client base. So now Wix has a relationship with AWS for infrastructure and I, Simply Cyber, have a relationship with Wix for website hosting. Do you follow what's going on here? So DDoS Guard, has infrastructure and they provide it to robin banks robin banks builds their platform on top of it and offers the service to criminals ddos guards value proposition to robin banks is that they will not ever go down it doesn't matter how many department of justice indictment letters get sent how many cease and desist letters get sent from the fbi or uh, cia or anything like that none of that is going to matter because the country of russia it's in their geo geo boundaries and Russia has decided that they are not going to comply with international requests for assistance in bringing down that infrastructure service. So that service is effectively bulletproof. You cannot shoot it down. You cannot bring it down. And I'm sure they charge quite a premium for it because honestly, DDoS guard probably has to pay off officials and law enforcement and all these other people, give them a taste of the situation. This is what organized crime and racketeering is, frankly. Um, so that's how bulletproof hosting goes. And that's how you can host a malicious platform on the public internet and not worry about it. Twitter turmoil equals Mastodon moment. The open source decentralized microblogging platform Mastodon surpassed 1 million monthly active users for the first time. Its rise in users seems directly correlated to Elon Musk's Twitter acquisition. It added 489,000 new users and added 1,124 new servers since October 27th. The service operates on a network of federated self-hosted servers with their own terms, privacy options, and content moderation framework. The federated model means users on one server can generally access content from others. For comparison, in its last earnings report, Twitter reported 237.8 million daily active users. I'm Rich Straffolino reporting for the CISO series. Thanks, Rick Straffolino. I'm Jerry Osier, reporting for Simply Sire. All right, guys, so Mastodon has taken over. Now, the, 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 the confusing thing with Mastodon is their UX is pretty terrible and it's hard to find stuff. And you would think that they're going to get better at all that, but a lot of people are going over there. But one thing is like with Twitter, there's just Twitter, right? Everybody goes and gets an account on Twitter. With Mastodon, it is a it's like a splinter of servers. Think of a um think of going to like uh I don't know, like a, a job fair or something like that, right? Or or or, or actually DEFCON would probably be best. Think of DEFCON. So each server is like its own little village, right? So if you don't join Blue Team Village and you're but you're a blue teamer and you're over at Red Team Village, you're not gonna see the people who are in the blue team village talking and engaging. So you have to pick 
the server that you want to be at. Now, you can jump around servers, and that's a little confusing to me right now. But what I want to tell you is it would appear from everything that I'm seeing that infosec.exchange is the server that um, people are, are going to in our industry. Infosec.exchange, you can see I'm, I'm here right now. Um, you know, Matt Kiley's there, Shortstack is there, um, Kevin Beaumont, I always talk about Kevin, I know you guys can't really see it, but, um, so, I, I would encourage you to kind of go check it out, um, I will drop a link in chat afterwards if you're interested, but you can see up here, InfoSec Exchange, um, is, the, is the URL, and Mastodon is the platform. It's fairly easy to, um, to sign up, honestly. And it's 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 a lot like Twitter. It's actually kind of nice because there's no ads, and everybody talking here are infosec people. So, anyways, that's your uh, your your minute of Mastodon. Um, so hopefully they can capture on it and, and go uh, take advantage of that. All right, y'all. Let me see how we doing on time. Eight forty one. We got a couple minutes. I had to drink my coffee black tonight today because I'm going to get blood drawn right after this. All right, let's see what chats. Guys, if you were here only for the news, thank you so much. Uh, that's the news for today. Please join us uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Uh, if you got a boogie out of here, totally cool. But if you'd like, I'm going to just spend a minute and chat. There is something else I wanted to share with you guys, but it's, it's eluding me right now because I kind of fly by the seat of my pants up here. Um, let's see. Kevin Beaumont, Gossy the Dog on Twitter. Yes, Gossy the Dog is definitely a great follow on Twitter and Mastodon, I would assume. Thanks, Jack Scott. Appreciate it. Pamela, good to see you up in here. Um, guys, thanks so much for the gifted subs. I appreciate that. I can't wait. <laughs> thanks, Kerry. Oh, Kerry must have his uh, exam later today. Good luck, Kerry. You've got this, man. All right. Thanks, Eric Jordan. You have a great day. Raining over here in SoCal. Black is the best, yeah. It's good. I do. I do enjoy it. I got my. Ooh, guys. By the way, I got my. Um, can we do this? I got my. Uh, obviously, my my flipper zero. But I did order, and it just came in yesterday. I got my um, Wi-Fi developer board, so we can play around. I wish I had more time, guys. If I ever get more time, I'm gonna make so many more like technical videos and content. I just don't have the time to do it right. Um, I'm also working on a. Um, my studio setup video. I actually ordered, um, hold on. I actually ordered this thing right here. It's like, it's called like a, uh, I forget what it's called, but basically I can do like the vlogging. So I'm going to be like, what's up? This is the studio. And then like, it turns into like a little tripod. I'm super pumped about that. Uh, so I always enjoy that. Thanks, Carrie. Gaming with the cat. Yeah. Hopefully you guys, uh, um, uh, Haiku, let's play. Enjoyed that. I saw many of you there. Uh, I am looking for uh, Imps. Oh, Gimbal. Yeah, thank you. Oh, Flipper Zero is so cool. Apparently, they're not sold in the United States anymore. I found that out, interestingly. Uh, thanks, Robert Moritz. I wish I had more time. I, I have a long-term plan um, that would that's going to allow me more time. So, Yes, Eric Moore. Flipper Zeros are cool. Let's see how we doing. Love roller coaster. It's so good. All right, we're almost out of time, everybody. But hey, Carmen San Diego, good to see you. Yep. Oh wait, you guys can't see chat because I'm uh in the way. 
So, you were going to talk about the upcoming streams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. I do have some upcoming streams. Um, I guess just to remind everybody. So, tomorrow at 2 p.m. This one I'm really, really excited about. I love uh, Daniel Lowry and the work he's doing over there. He actually just told me about a um, IoT hacking course uh, that he just completed that, that I want to take. Again, I wish I had the time to do it. Um, and then I'm doing an AMA on the Thursday on Simply Cyber Live. So it'll just be me. Um, I can bring on people, maybe mods. I saw BSEC wanted to come on. Maybe the mods will come on. I don't know. We'll just, if you guys remember the tattoo episode that I did um, a while ago, um, it was really, really just kind of chill and, and community driven. Um, I'm thinking of something like that. Not that I'm going to show my tattoos again, but um, something like that. Ms. Julian, good to see you in there. I haven't seen you in a minute. All right, guys. Fabio, be good. Justin, be good. Aaron KG, good to see you guys. I've got a new uh, video, uh, produced video dropping pretty soon. I did Trucker to Cyber uh, with Aaron uh, KG a couple weeks ago. I met with another community member and who went from the service industry, so he was a bartender, and transitioned into cyber. And we talked about food and bev and service industry and um hospitality and how you can pivot into cybersecurity. another great i think a really great video that's going to target a very specific audience of people um and help them transition that's what i'm all about all right guys be good we'll see you out there tomorrow hey by the way i know what i was going to tell you tomorrow's worldwide wednesday so if you're watching this on replay you're international you're in africa you're in south america you're in australia uh please please try to be here live i'd love to go two for two in nailing the worldwide Wednesday. You guys are the best. Thanks, TJL. We'll see you uh, from Asia. It's going to be good. All right, guys, be good. Cheers.